It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Terry Lofton of Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation. He's been on the air many times, and we're going to have a conversation this morning about the Supreme Court decision with wetlands and a few other things happening in the conservation world. And we, Carrie, we caught up with you early in the morning in your car. Good morning. Hi, Charlie. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, you're always kind to come on to the Great Outdoors Show and just two hands on the wheel while you, while you do this this morning. Um, so, Carrie, we as we roll into summer, we start thinking about all the things we like to do in the summer. And in the last week or so, the Supreme Court delivered a decision on wetlands that will be talked about for a long time until there's another decision, at least. And it changes the game radically for how wetlands are being classified. And that's not to say it's a good decision or a bad decision. It just is to say that the court has taken a very different view. And certainly those who have been trying to preserve wetlands and their importance to society for a long time feel it's a terrible decision. On the other hand, people who believe in property rights and the ability to do what you want with your land think it's a good decision. So I thought I'd ask you, you've spent much of your career in journalism covering issues that are of international significance. I thought I'd ask you, Carrie, to begin with, what what do you make of what the Supreme Court did before we kind of talk about what it, what it might mean? Is this a philosophical change? What What is your take on what, what's happened? Yeah. Let's go through the, uh, the case just a little bit and what the decision was. Uh, the decision basically lifted any kind of protection for wetlands that are not continuous with other bodies of water, such as a river, a lake, um, a stream. Um, so on the surface, if a wetland does not touch another body of water, then it is the court held that it is not protected by the 1972 Clean Water Act. Now, as I am not a lawyer, um, so I don't feel like I'm qualified to say whether this is good law or not. It may well be very good law, but from the standpoint of people who advocate for wetlands, who know how they work, and who appreciate what they do for society as a whole, it's a disastrous ruling because this pretty much opens the door to drain some of the most important ecosystems on our planet. There already have been drained beyond belief, especially in the prairie pothole region of North America, which is the duck and bird incubator for uh, the Western Hemisphere, really. And this will only open the door to more of that. And sadly, it probably makes vulnerable the most important wetlands of all, the temporary and seasonal wetlands that are easily drained, either by uh, running a scraper across the land and reconfiguring the uh, topography or by tiling uh, and setting up a drainage system. So if you are somebody who cares about clean water, if you are somebody who cares about birds, if you are a duck hunter, a goose hunter, uh, if you like to fish, all of the above, you should be very concerned about this ruling because these are the cradles of life for the wildlife that we depend on, and they have untold, and, and I mean untold, benefits for humans in general. So I'm very concerned, Charlie. Well, I, I think you, you said that pretty eloquently, and, and, and we have a very large agricultural audience listening to the Great Outdoor Show on WGN because WGN's reach across the 
the heartland of America. And, and really, agriculture has been at the center of this since the Clean Water Act. And I think what you just said is probably where everything that you and I have been involved in is, is coming to the conclusion. Legally, from the point of view of the law, this may have been the correct decision. But the Supreme Court, unfortunately, is not designed to take into situations the um, biological, or in this case, hydrological impacts of of its decisions. So we really have, a, I think, Carrie, an issue where the Supreme Court said to the Congress of the United States, you go ahead and you fix the law in such a way that it meets what society needs. Our job is right. not to fix the law the way society needs it. Our job is to fix is to make the law adhere to the Constitution. And I think this case we have a we have a huge disconnect. And and what you said a moment ago is it is so dead on. The the hydrology of water is not a constitutional issue. It's a it's it's an issue of how the world works. Right. Well, let's let's put it into another context that many of our listeners will be familiar with. When courts take on gun control issues, they do not um, they do not look at the rising homicide rates in Chicago and elsewhere. They simply look at how the laws are written and whether they are constitutional or not. And uh, so they leave the, the the consequences out of it, shall we say? And uh, that's not a pro or a con for gun rights. Uh, that's just a statement of fact. You know, the, you don't argue the legality of a gun control law by saying many people are being killed. You argue it about based on the Second Amendment and other civil liberties that gun owners enjoy. Is that wrong or right? I don't know, but that's how it works. Here we have a situation where a long-standing law, Clean Water Act, has been held to be wrong legally in this one area. And the consequences for those of us, for everyone, are pretty grim. Um, and I think we should also, Charlie, it's important to have some empathy for the farmer. I mean, you know, let, let's face it, a farmer's land is his or her factory, and they want to maximize the efficiency of the factory. The issue becomes, though, that as wetlands get drained, you know, we've already lost, what is it, 3 billion birds uh over the last few years, as more and more wetlands get drained, we're going to lose more birds. We're going to lose carbons, uh, carbon uh, benefits from wetlands. We're going to lose erosion benefits, uh, erosion control. We're going to lose water control. These wetlands fuel aquifers. They fuel wildlife. Um, and what that it be, Charlie, that people would just protect them because it's the right thing to do. But that's not happening in any kind of practical world. People want to maximize their profits. I understand it. And short of a voluntary program to protect wetlands, uh, regulation has been the only thing to control it in any way. Well, you just said that very well. And for the 20-plus years I've been on the Great Outdoors Show hosting it, Everybody, every agricultural producer <clears throat> who listens to the Great Outdoors Show knows that I grew up in agriculture. Agriculture has been a center part of my life. And the way you just said it a moment ago is perhaps the best way. Our farmland is our factory, and in my case, my farms, they're our factory, and yet we have been hamstrung on how we can run our land uh, based upon a, a decision years ago. 
And it comes back, I guess, Kerry, to maybe we'll take a break and come back on something I think is, is, is hopefully the path forward. If we don't compensate landowners for doing good things on their land, why would we expect them to do something beneficial like cleaning up our water if, in fact, they can grow more corn or soybeans or we can grow more wheat or alfalfa, whatever it is on that property, that puts food on our table and makes our our factory, our business, if you will, more profitable. And that's the disconnect that I think Congress and society has never really addressed. We're asking private property owners to do good things for society because it's good for society. And I think you and I probably would say that's absolutely fabulous. But how many people do things that are really good for society when, in fact, it's costing them money? That's the the question. So maybe, Carrie, if you hang on for a moment... When we come back, let's talk about the economic impacts and, 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 and a path forward, because this now the Supreme Court's made its ruling. We've got we to gotta figure out how to move forward. We're visiting with Kerry Loft of the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation. We'll be back in just a moment with much more on the Great Outdoor Show. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN, and first a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. When sunrise is your alarm clock, life is different. You eat a ditch for breakfast. Love the smell of diesel in the morning with a hot cup of joe. The weather report is 40% chance of mud. And corporate pull, that's 36,000 pounds of towing capacity with a gooseneck trailer. Mudden is PTO. You know sometimes when the paved road ends, the fun begins. Chevy Silverado 3500 HD is waiting to run over something, anything. No road, no problem, because the best way out is always through. A trouble rides a swift horse, and you don't want trouble pulling a backhoe loader. Chevy Silverado HD is a wake-up call. Now, during Chevy truck season, get a $1,000 accessory allowance toward the purchase of a new truck with accessories. You worked hard for your money. Spend it smart. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer today or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for all the details. Chevy Silverado HD. Power up and experience life in HD. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host this morning. And I guess every Sunday morning here on the Great Outdoors show for the last 20 Three years. Carrie Luft is our guest from the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation, and Carrie is kind enough to join us this morning. And we're talking about the Supreme Court and its decision on wetlands uh, and, and how maybe we move forward from here if you're just joining us. Carrie, so we, before we took the break, we were talking about the societal benefits of, of wetlands and landowners, in this case, agricultural interests, being they own the, the holy grail of, of wetlands in North America, particularly the prairies, and, and therefore the cradle, as you said, of, of, of bird life. How do we move, the Supreme Court's made its decision. How do we now move forward to try to accomplish what, what I think most people in America would like to see accomplished? Abundant bird life, clean water, cleaner air. How do we move forward based on this decision? So, Charlie, I, I'm going to take a little bit of issue of, with how you described our current situation. With landowners, not uh, not because you were wrong, but I, I'd go stronger. You say we're asking landowners to do something for the good of society. No, what we've been doing is forcing them to to do something for the good of society under the threat of penalties if they violate the Clean Water Act. So uh, that's not really a good incentive. That's an incentive based on fear. 
What I believe, and I think based on our many conversations with you over the years, is I think we need to have a much more incentivized reason to protect wetlands, just like we have with CRP protecting uh, uh, erodible lands. We need to, you know, and, and I know there are programs like it, but we need a more incentivized programs to convince the American landowner that it's not just a good idea from an altruistic point of view to protect their natural ecosystems, but it's good business. You know, that if you if I'm a farmer looking at a small depression that holds that looks like a mud hole, and I know that by taking a scraper, doing about three hours worth of work, I can make that mud hole produce corn next year. I'm going to do it, particularly at a time of high commodity prices. Um, and how do we compensate that? Let, let's look at it as an opportunity cost. Leaving a wetland, you know, from the landowners, from the landowners' perspective, it's an opportunity cost. You are not draining that that wetland, so you are leaving money on the table. Well, can we compensate them for that loss? I think that is the key, and that's going to be really hard to do in a, in such a divisive uh, mindset in Washington. I mean, we we can't look at the drama we recently had over raising the debt limit, and uh, as we speak, that's still not certain. Um, you know, so finding new money for conservation is always going to be a tough lift, but we need to do it. As I listen to you so eloquently say that, I have visions of you gesticulating, driving down the highway. So keep both hands on the wheel, Kerry. It's not <laughs> you said okay, that so I'll well, and it, a, I'll stop waving my fist. <laughs> well, what you just said, Kerry, I wish. Well, it is recorded because it's, it's on WGN Radio. That that is one of the best summaries of this whole situation. And and we, you're right. We haven't been asking landowners agri-farmers in particular, to do something, we've been telling them, you do this or you go to jail in some cases for violating 404 permits and things like that. That's a horrible way for, for America to do business. And, have, and maybe... You and I have a great mutual friend named John Cooper who in his distinguished career as a federal agent uh, for the Fish and Wildlife Service did a lot of work or uh, protecting wetlands under the under that threat and if we talk to coop on the show one day well first of all it would be the most fascinating show you ever had but uh certainly better than any with me on it but Coop would tell you totally the wrong way to go incentivize people to do the right thing don't punish them for not doing the right thing well i think also we've got about two minutes left i think what's really at hand here is education yeah. America does not understand the value of these temporary and seasonal, you call them puddles, and that's, I guess, most people who live in urban areas would call them puddles. We call them wetlands. Yeah. Um, we as a society don't understand that this is, this is the birth of, of, of not only all bird life, but it's also the incubate, it also is hydrology underground, you know, the aquifers. The whole, our whole ecosystem depends on these. And you just look at Illinois, we've drained 99% of the wetlands in the state of Illinois. Uh, we are the most product, one of the three most productive agricultural states, uh, regions in the country. 
And and the Iowa. result is we have Iowa, right? We we have terrible water quality. We've got huge flooding issues, and we've lost well the untold millions of birds. But really, the flooding and the water quality are what people can see every day. So, in the next ninety seconds, Carrie, if you could wave a wand and and move this discussion forward, what would you? What do you think? the the best outcome would be if we could get con- and congress is now going to have to solve this and as you said it's dysfunctional as it is the chances of that are very slim what would you think are the well, is the lowest hanging fruit well i think you hit the nail it, it, it's it's the lowest hanging fruit but it's also the long it's going to take a while to take effect uh sadly but it's education um you and i were both involved in the imax 3d movie Wings Over Water, which explained the importance of the prairie wetlands. I hope that as children around, and people, uh, not just children, but I hope as school children and their families go to see that movie, maybe read the companion book, they, they develop the understanding that many of us already know about the value of wetlands, and they begin to become a grassroots organization, no pun intended, to help uh, push the wetland story and to create political uh, momentum towards saving wetlands and maybe, can I dare hope, uh, re, uh, recreating some of them. Because, you know, just as a temporary wetland can be drained pretty easily, you can bring it back pretty easily with a few hours with a, with a bulldozer or a scraper or by breaking the tiles. Would that, that happen, Charlie? Would that it be that our prairies were again full of potholes, teeming with ducks and geese and herons and fish, and and, and uh, the world would be a better place. And I think that's a good place for me to leave it. Well, thank you very much for your time. And obviously, this is this is brand new news. We're going to see the consequences. We probably already are almost immediate. And it's a long-term solution. But, Carrie, I'll leave this thought. We don't have a lot of time. And we have to find a, a near-term solution while we work on a societal issue that will define the future of, of America. Thanks so much for being with us, Carrie. I appreciate it as always. Carrie Luff to the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation. This is Charlie Potter of the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America on 720 WGN. Have a great week in the great outdoors.